everybody and welcome to this episode of Cold Talk. I'm your host Cole Martins and thank you guys for joining me here today. For the latest information on the show, you can follow me on Twitter and like me on Facebook at Cold Talk. That is at C-O-L-E-D-T-A-L-K. On there you can message me questions or topics that you hear in the show. You can even tweet with me during the events. I love to hear what you guys have to say. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe and or follow button to get alerts. So when the newest episodes release, you can find the podcast on all major platforms, including Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, iHeartRadio, and all the other major platforms out there. And also, thank my brother, Landon Martin, for the amazing artwork on the page. To see some more of his work, you can visit his Instagram at MrFancyLand. That is at M-R-F-A-N-C-Y-L-A-N. Coming up on today's episode, we're going to talk about the wrap-up of the MLB playoffs with the World Series. We crowned a champion in baseball. We also crowned a champion, three champions in the NASCAR Series as a cup. Xfinity Series and Truck Series all wrapped up this weekend. Also, some of the key games from last week in the NFL and in college football and the top games in the NBA as well. As it's already November, things are getting crazy all across sports, so the seasons are beginning to wrap up. We're at the halfway point for other seasons as well. We're coming down to the wire to figure out what teams are going to be making a playoff run. We have NHL and NBA also starting up as well, as teams starting to get a groove going in that one. Of course, uh, this year being an election year as well, things are going crazy right now this week with election results coming in as we are speaking here. And if not, they might be done if you're listening to this later on in the week. But again, a lot of things happening across the country right now in sports and politics around. So hopefully everybody, everyone who is listening here got out a chance to vote if you're in the United States uh, listening to this and got to use that right to vote and vote for who you want. Yes, some of us will get what we want. Some of us won't. That's just the way it works in this country. But again, at least we have the freedom to vote and decide on who is going to be controlling where we are living here today. But let's get back into sports. Let's talk about what's going on here. The major thing that happened this weekend was the MLB playoffs as the World Series continued on last week. We talked about the first two games of that series. We'll go through the games three and the remainder of the series here today. But we did crown a World Series champion. That was the Houston Astros who won the World Series 4-2, beating the Philadelphia Phillies in what was an interesting series at the beginning. But Astros just pulled away at the very end. Let's look back at one game one and two that we talked about last week. We'll start with the game one where the Phillies were able to beat the Astros six to five in the tenth inning, where uh, that was a oh god, remember the guy who uh, hit the home run in that game. But either way, they were able to pick up the win thanks to a home run that was Ramuto. Yeah, Ramuto ended up hitting the home run for the Phillies to get the win in that one. I had to look down on my notes a little bit there, but he had the game uh, leading home run in the tenth, the game winning home run, I should say, to take that one and help the Phillies take a 1-0 lead. Then in Game 2, the Astros would bounce back with a 5-2 win to tie up the series. Now let's go to Game 3, where the Phillies absolutely dominated that one, winning Game 3, 7-0. Left fielder Kyle Schwarber and designated hitter Bryce Harper, each having a two-run home run in that game. Also third baseman Alec Boom, first baseman Reese Hoskins, and center fielder Brandon Mosh each had a home run in that game as well. Also Astros pitcher McCuller, uh, hit allows the first pitcher in World Series history to allow five home runs in a game. So not a good mark for the Astros. And all the momentum just went to the Phillies. Especially the first game being back, being in Philly, I should say, for the World Series. Then we went to Game 4. The second game in Philly was the complete opposite for them as the Astros would end up winning that game. Five to nothing. And not only that, but they would get a no-hitter in that game as Christian Javar... Had a incredible game. Six innings pitched, nine Ks, and two walk batters. He was also helped by Brandon Abreu, Rafael Montero, 
and Ryan Presley, who all combined had the first ever combined no-hitter in postseason history in all of MLB history. So congratulations to those four players being a part of history with the Astros. Again, getting a no-hitter in the World Series. The big bat came in this one from third baseman Alex Bergman, who had a two-run double in this game to help out with the team. Also, this is here, Yardon Alvarez, right fielder Kyle Tucker, and Yuel Gurley all had an RBI in that game as well. Then we go over to Game 5, where the Astros will take the lead in the Series 3-2 by winning Game 5-3-2. Shortstop Jeremy Pena went 3-4 for four in this game, two RBIs and a solo home run. So the ALCS MVP has another good game here in the World Series. Alvarez has done one RBI in this game, and starting pitcher Justin Verlander goes five innings, four hits allowed, four walks, but did he have six strikeouts in the game, and finally gets his first World Series win of his career. So about time is... I think this would have been his fourth or fourth or fifth. I think it was fourth. It would be World Series appearance for him. So finally, getting a win in the World Series is Justin Verlander. I believe that was his eighth or I believe eighth or ninth start for him in the World Series. Finally, getting that first one. Also, Felix Schwarber would hit a solo run, solo home run in that game as well. But Game Six is where it would all wrap up as the Houston Astros would win Game Six at home, four to one, to lock up the World Series. Their second in team history. Alvarez with a big three-run home run to take the lead in the sixth inning, where Kyle Schroeder would take the lead for the Phillies at the top of the sixth with a solo run home run of his own. Astros would come back, score three runs. Doesn't hit her Christian uh, Valquez also would hit an RBI single in that game. And Valdez, the starting pitcher for the Astros, went six innings, two hits allowed, one earned run, and nine Ks. So the Astros, again, winning that series 4-2. to two. As for the World Series MVP, it was the rookie himself, Jeremy Pena, picking up the series MVP with a batting average of 400, 10 hits in the series, 15 total bases, and a home run. He is also the third rookie to win a World Series MVP, but the first rookie position player to win that award, as other two were pitchers, which were Larry Sherry in 1959 and Levan Hernandez in 1997. And again, also winning the ALCS MVP as well. So a lot of trophies going home with Pena this offseason. So congratulations to him at the rookie. And also congratulations to all the Houston Astros on winning this one. Of course, winning this World Series means a little bit more than that first one because of everything that happened in that first one with the stealing signs. So that was a scandal. It's a, it happened. They did steal signs in that game. So a lot of tainting in that game that kind of took that World Series meaning away from them. But now, hopefully this time around, that is not the case. Hopefully they earn this one. The fair, completely fair, no help at all. Uh, this team was just incredible all season long. This was just one of the best teams in the playoffs. They were seven and zero coming into the world. Uh, yeah, because they were seven and zero coming into the World Series record wise. Phillies gave them a great challenge for the first three games, but after taking that two one lead, the Astros getting that no hitter just seemed to get drained the energy out of the Phillies. And then the Astros just kept on pouncing, and they did that for three straight games to wrap up the series in six games and finish off the World Series. Uh, but some bad news for the MLB. This was one of the lowest-watched World Series on television. I think the second-lowest television televised viewer rating for the World Series overall, I think I read it was. Uh, it finished just above the Dodgers-Rays World Series. So, again, not good news for the MLB. I don't know if what well, could be the issue to bring the World Series down a little bit. Of course, you have NFL and everything else going on, so maybe that drives away some viewership a little bit. Again, who knows? Maybe it's because the Astros were in the World Series Again, a lot of people don't want to see the Astros in there because they have been in the World Series for the last six years. They have pretty much became a dynasty, the Houston Astros, of how credible they have been throughout these years. But again, the Astros continue to show off their dominance. And again, 
winning their second World Series in team history. Now for some news out of the MLB. We'll start off by talking about an extension for one player as closer, Edwin Diaz. And the New York Mets have agreed to a five-year, $102 million deal with no opt-out clause or trade clause. That's according to Jeff Pezan and ESPN. Always good to have a reliable guy coming in the ninth inning. The Mets have locked up their guy for that one. So he will be there for, it looks like no matter what, will be there for five years. So congratulations, Diaz and the Mets on coming to that agreement. And also the NFL, excuse me, MLB announced their Golden Glove Award winners for this year. So we'll start off with the AL, go through each position. Uh, the catcher position for the AL, it was Jose Trevino for the New York Yankees winning that award. First baseman was Verero, uh, Vladimir, excuse me, Guerrero Jr. from Toronto. Second baseman, Andres uh, Gimenez from Cleveland. Shortstop, Jeremy Pena the, from Houston. He is also the first rookie shortstop to win that award. So congratulations for that rookie again, setting some more big boundaries uh, in his first year here in the big leagues. Third baseman, Ramon uh, Urias, Urias from Baltimore winning award. Left fielder, Stephen Kwan from Cleveland. Center fielder, Miles Straw from Cleveland. Right fielder, Kyle Tucker from Houston. Pitcher, Sean Beaver from Cleveland. And the utility player was DJ LeMayu from New York Yankees. So again, a lot of familiar teams in that one. Cleveland having a total of four players win a Golden Glove. Houston having two. New York also had two. Leaving Baltimore and Toronto each having one. So... Pretty dot. You can see which teams were pretty good in the postseason, why they were. Because, again, I believe every team but one of them made the playoffs, and that was the third, uh, Baltimore's player. But, again, a lot of great players on this list. Congratulations to all of them in the AL for winning their award. And then over in the NL at catcher, JT Ramuto from Philly. First baseman, Christian Walker from Arizona. Second baseman, Brendan Rodgers from Colorado. Shortstop, Dansby Swan- uh, Swanson from Atlanta. Third baseman, Nolan Alderado from San- St. Louis. Left fielder Ian Hop from the Chicago Cubs, excuse me. Center fielder Trent Grissom from San Diego. Right fielder Mookie Betts from Los Angeles Dodgers. Pitcher Max Fry from Atlanta. And futility Brandon Donovan from St. Louis. So again, congratulations to all those players on getting those awards. We have some more coming up. Awards coming up here for the MLB as we have, I believe they announced the finalists for Cy Young, MVP, and Manager of the Year. So we'll keep an eye here in the next couple weeks on when those are announced. And once those do, we'll get the you-know here on Cold Talk. But now let's head over to the NFL. As week 9 in the NFL has passed. We are already about halfway through. The, uh, actually, every team now, I believe, would be halfway through the NFL season. Or just about halfway through the NFL season at 9 or 8 games. Uh, been a pretty interesting season so far. A very wild one for teams. And we'll start off with the biggest game of last week, which was on Sunday Night Football, where the Kansas City Chiefs were able to beat the Tennessee Titans 20-17 in overtime. Kansas City moving to 6-2 on the season. Quarterback Patrick Holmes having a big game, throwing the ball for 446 yards. Only had one touchdown, though, and did throw an interception. He was also sacked four times in the game. He did run for 63 yards and a touchdown. Titan Travis Kelsey having another big game, 10 receptions for 106 yards. This is also his 32nd game with over 100 yards receiving, which ties Rob Gronkowski for the tight end record. Again, two of the greatest tight ends to ever play the game. Travis Kelsey, I think, is just slowly stepping his way above Travis uh, Rob Gronkowski at this point. Kelsey is just an absolute animal. It's going to be amazing to see what he can do throughout the rest of his career and what records he's going to break for tight ends. But... Again, he is the probably the true king of tight ends in my book at this rate because he has just been absolutely incredible. Wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster continues looking impressive in Kansas City as he has 10 receptions for 88 yards in this game. Wide receiver Michael Hartman, 6 receptions, 79 yards, and a touchdown. Oh, show a little defensive love as Carlos Dunlap had a second half in the game as well. 
For Tennessee, they go to 5-3 and three on the season. The fact of these stats, the fact that they're in this game was very shocking. Running back Derrick Henry with 115 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Tight end, hopefully I can say this name right. If I did say it wrong, I'm sorry. Chigazem uh, Okanku with a reception and 48 yards receiving. And quarterback Malik Willis getting the start again for Ryan Tannehill, who is out of this game. Not a great game for the rookie. He is 5 for 16 for 80 yards in the game. And again, if you look at the scoreboard and you look at the, I mean, if you just look at the stats I just read off to you, it looks like this would have been a blowout, right? Mahomes having almost 450 yards passing. Uh, the quarterback, Willis, only having 80 yards passing and only completing five passes. So throwing under 33% in this game. And Derrick Henry only having 115 yards. So really no offense for Tennessee in this game. But somehow they are able to stay in this one. And they made it close and got into overtime, but just could not do anything once they reached overtime. So a uh, very impressive game by the Tennessee defense. Got to give credit to them. They were able to stop Kansas City when they needed to, but just could not do enough. And that cost them. Again, a very weak passing game for Tennessee all season long. They've been relying on Derrick Henry. And, of course, Derrick Henry can't do everything. So it's something that this Tennessee team needs to figure out here. Uh, they could still do lead the division by, I believe, a game and a half. But they're going to have to figure out a passing game if they want to do anything in the playoffs. But, again, Kansas City continues to look impressive as now they are tied up top of the AFC. And we'll tell you why right now. Because the Buffalo Bills ended up losing to their division rival, the New York Jets, 20-17. to The Jets now moving to 6-3 on the season. Wide receiver Garrett Wilson having a good game. Eight receptions for 92 yards. Quarterback Zach Wilson going for 154 yards. One touchdown, but did lose a fumble in that game. Running back Michael Carter having a good game on the ground. 76 yards rushing and a touchdown. And running back James Robinson, who was traded a couple weeks ago to the Jets, gets his, I believe, his first touchdown with the team with a receiving touchdown in this one. And for the Bills, it was all Allen and Diggs in this one. As quarterback Josh Allen threw for 205 yards. And the big issue in this one was he threw two interceptions. He was also sacked five times in this game. But he did have 86 yards rushing and two touchdowns on the ground in this one. As for wide receiver Stephon Diggs, five receptions for 93 yards. So this New York Jets defense did a lot of damage to this Buffalo offense. That every team like looked like it was going to be unstoppable at this rate. But Josh Allen just struggled throwing the ball with a pair of interceptions. The defensive line for the Jets got in the back through the bit and sacked Josh Allen. And it just caused a lot of trouble for him and made him run around and maybe a little too much in this one. Having to make some quick decisions and causing turnovers. And the Jets did just enough on the offensive side of the ball to get points on the board and win this one. As the defense caused those turnovers, gave the Jets some short fields, which helped them out a lot. And that is what caused the Jets to win this one. So the Jets, a major win in the division. Now only a half a game back of the Buffalo Bills. So we'll see what they can do here as the weeks continue to go on. As for the Bills, like I mentioned, they want to go to 6-2. and two, The Jets 6-3. and three. But a major win for the Jets is now... They will see what they can continue to keep this going now for the second half of the season. And for a big game for both these two, two teams that are struggling this year, the previous two Super Bowl championship teams, but this one, the Buccaneers had the advantage as Tampa Bay beats the Los Angeles Rams 16-13. Tampa Bay going to 4-5 and five on the season, so at least a little bit of a positive for Tom Brady and company after losing three straight games. Speaking of Tom Brady, he in this game, he had 280 yards in the one touchdown, which was the game-winning touchdown at with under, I believe, 20 seconds left in that one. Also, Tom Brady reaches 100,000 total passing yards in his career. The owner, only quarterback to reach that mark. So, Tom Brady's career just keeps on looking more and more impressive every week he plays. And again, adding some, some more milestones to his legendary career. Tight end Cade uh, Aden with five receptions for 68 yards and a touchdown. He was the leading receiver in this game. 
And the top two rated receivers this game are very weird because the wide receiver Scotty Miller ended up having a big game at the end of this one. He had seven receptions for 53 yards. And I think all seven of those receptions happened on the final two drives of the game. So Scotty Miller was good. I think he got four balls in a row at one point near the end of that game. So Scotty Miller came in hot when he needed to come in. And he did exactly what he needed to help out Tom Brady. And running back Rashad White led the backfield with only 27 yards rushing. Kicker Ryan Suckup went three for four on field goals in this game. And some defensive love here as well. Defense end Vita Vea with two sacks in the game for the Buccaneers. And for the Rams, they now dropped to three and five on the season as wide receiver Cooper Cup was the only thing working on this offense. Eight receptions for 127 yards and a touchdown. Quarterback Matthew Stafford struggled in this one. 13 for 27, 165 yards passing. One touchdown and sacked four times in this one. And leading the backfield was running back Darnell Henderson Jr. with 56 yards rushing. Again, both these teams needed to win. Tom Brady and company just were able to step up at the very end and finally get that win. So this might be a positive note for Tom Brady. Let's see if he can now get the ball rolling for this team and get a late season run to again to try to win this division, which they are actually tied now with the Atlanta Falcons at 4-5. and five. So again, Tom Brady and company still in the running for that division. As for the Rams, they continue to fall back more and more to the Seattle Seahawks as now I believe they are three games back of the... Two or three, actually. Be, yeah, three games back, I believe, of the Seahawks. So again, the Rams continue to struggle here, and they continue to fall back. So we'll see if they will be able to turn this thing around anytime soon. But that offense has just been looking awful. Cooper Cup is the only receiver it seems like Stafford can go to. They have no running game, so a lot of things need to be fixed here if the Rams are going to try to make a run to defend their Super Bowl championship. And the final game we'll talk about was a shootout. And I believe this game was in Chicago as the Miami Dolphins were able, able to beat the Bears 35-32. to 32. Miami goes to 6-3 and three on the season. So another team that's happy to see that Buffalo Bill lost this week for quarterback Tua Tungvaloa. He went 302 yards passing and three touchdowns. Wide receiver Tyreek Hill having another huge game. Seven receptions for 143 yards and one touchdown. Wide receiver Jalen Waddle also having a good game. Five receptions for 85 yards and a touchdown. Also, the newie to new joining to the team, running back Jeff Wilson Jr., 51 yards rushing and also added a receiving touchdown. Also, running back Raheem Mostert with a touchdown in this game as well. And special teams player Andrew Von Ginkle with a 25-yard punt block for a touchdown. So, a big play on special teams to help out Miami. And that was the key to winning this one. As for Chicago, it was all Justin Fields in this one. As Justin Fields ran for 178 yards and a touchdown. So crazy stats for Justin Fields on the ground in this one. He only threw for 122 yards, but he threw for three touchdowns in this game. As wide receiver Darnell Mooney with the, was the big receiver in this one. Only with seven receptions for 43 yards and a touchdown. But Ted and Cole Komet did have two catches in this one. They, I mean, he had two touchdowns in this game as well. So again, Miami... Able to do what they need to do on offense, but the defense struggled in this one again. Chicago just ran all over. I mean, I shouldn't say Chicago, but Fields just ran all over this Miami team. So I don't know if they were just didn't think Fields could run the ball or not, but Fields used his legs a lot in this one. He, they gave him a wide, op, wide open field, and he took advantage of it. So great job by Fields reading that one as he was able to do what he needed to do as we will see what they will be able to do now here in the next couple of weeks. I, I did not put Chicago's record on this thing. I just realized I think Chicago is 3-3. Five on the season, I want to say, if I'm correct. Let me just double-check this real quickly. I want to say they were 3-5, and five, but I am not going to say that confidently. Let me see, as they are 3-6 and six on the season. Excuse me, they have not gone through their bye week yet. So Chicago now moves to 3-6 and six on the season. 
So not where they want to be at this point, but again, some positives coming from the quarterback from the from way the way he's been playing at the beginning of the year. So let's see if they'll be able to turn it around next week as they will get ready to take on the Lions, which is a game I will be at, which will be fun. It's my first time going to Soldier Field, so can't wait to go see that one. But again, the Bears suffer a loss to Miami, 35-32, to as Miami continues. Now only is a game back of the AFC East leading Buffalo Bills. Now for some news coming out of the NFL this week. The Indianapolis Colts have fired offensive coordinator Marcus Brady. That happened on last Tuesday. But on Monday, they also now fired head coach Frank uh, Reach. That was happened on Monday. That was according to ESPN. In Reach's career, he he was the head coach for the Colts from 2018-2022. He was 40-33-1 in his career as a Colt. Also made two playoff appearances, going one and two in those playoff and both those uh, in total playoff series, I should say. So at least finished with the winning record, but this year just had the quarterback he should have had, had the team he should have had to go do make something happen with this team, but just could not make it happen. As now he is out of the job, and out of all the shocking things that happened this week with the Colts, the main news of whose replacement was came out of nowhere. As interim head coach has been announced to be former Colts, Colts player, part of the Ring of Honor, Jeff Saturday, who before he got this call was the head coach for a high school football team in Georgia. So now he's leaving a high school team to go coach in the NFL. So very interested to see how this is going to work for Jeff Saturday. Of course, he's going to have to respect the team being a legend in the Colts organization. But it'll be interesting to see how he does as a head coach for this team. And I believe the offensive court, the uh, quarterback, I think, I can't remember if it was quarterback coach or somebody in that uh, vicinity is going to be calling the plays for the Colts, which he's never called plays in his NFL in his career. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out for him as well. So a lot of things changing for the Colts. We'll see if it's good or bad here in the next couple of weeks, but should be interesting to see how things go with a new head coach, a new play caller uh, for the Colts. So again, we have to sit here and wait and see how things will turn out for the team in that one. Now for some injury news coming out of the NFL. Both the Ravens have uh, announced that wide receiver Rashad Bateman will be out for the season with a foot injury that's according to Sleeper. So a big loss for the Baltimore Ravens. Their number one, I would say number one receiver for the team. Going to be out for the season. So we seem likely to do a good job for the Ravens. But again, losing Bateman is a big threat for that team. So we'll see how much that affects Lamar Jackson and company throughout the remainder of this season. Also, I've been announced the Arizona Cardinals safety buddy uh, Bubba Baker will be out for two to three weeks, a high ankle sprain, again, according to Sleeper. So the star defensive player for the Cardinals is going to be out here for a little bit. Also, some more bad news for the Green Bay Packers. The season hasn't going bad enough already. The Packers have now have announced that wide receiver Romeo Dobbs will be out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Again, that is according to Sleeper. And according to ESPN, also Rashad Gary will be out for the season with a torn ACL. So a Packers using two key players on their team. So again, Aaron Rodgers is already looking for help at wide receiver. Now he's going to need some more help with another one of his receivers going to be out for a little, about a month. And of course, the defense is losing Rashad Gary, one of their star players on that side of the ball. Uh, again, major losses for the Green Bay Packers coming out of this week after suffering a loss to the Detroit Lions. And for the New Orleans Saints, they place wide receiver Michael Thomas on IR. That's going to sleeper. So Michael Thomas is trying to make a return in his career to make something happen. Continue, and he will not be able to do it again. So he continues to struggle. So we'll see if he will be able to get back on the field at some point this year because he has just continued to struggle. As for the Philadelphia Eagles, they placed teams to tackle Jordan Davis on IR Wednesday. That is according to Sleeper. So again, another key defensive player line for going down for the Eagles. And uh, other news 
that we probably all expected to happen here sooner rather than later. Washington Commanders owner Dan Snyder is exploring and selling the team. Of course, of everything that's going on in Washington, of all the scandals he's been a part of, with everything else that's been going on, it was. I feel like it was only a matter of time before this ended up happening. So we will see if there's going to be a new owner for the Washington Commanders probably sometime in the offseason. But it sounds like from what I've been reading, RG3 is really interested in buying this team. He's been asking fans if they want to help pitch into by the team, I think he offered to 10 fans to help. They would be part owners with him if they wanted to be. So we'll see what happens with that one. We'll see if RG3 does actually end up buying the team. Uh, again, I don't know how much money RG3 has, but I feel like he has, does have a good amount of money. But I don't know if he has that much money. But again, we'll have to wait and see. But again, Commanders will be probably be looking for getting a new owner sometime during the offseason. Now for some games to watch this week in the NFL, we will go through this right now as we do have a Germany game this week for the NFL, so that might be an interesting one to watch as the 6-3 Seattle Seahawks will take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That one could be a fun game to watch over in Germany. That game will be at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, 6.30 for those in the West Coast. Also, another very fun game that should be able to watch in the 1 o'clock time zone on Sunday, the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Buffalo Bills. One of these, the second best team in the NFC taking on one of the best teams in the AFC. That one will be a fun one to watch as well. Other good games that look like are going to be on here. We got the Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys taking on the Green Bay Packers. Uh, fun little rivalry game. That one, two of the most popular teams in the NFL going head to head against each other. Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers will take on the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday Night Football. That could be a fun one to watch. It's a battle between two teams in the California area, and then on Monday Night Football, this could be a more difficult game than a lot of people are expecting. The Philadelphia Eagles at home will take on the Washington Commanders. Again, the Commanders at 4-5, and five, the Eagles at 8-0. and oh. uh, Eagles are actually favorite in this game by 11, surprisingly. I would take the under on that one. But I think the Commanders will give the Eagles more of a challenge than apparently the betters are thinking they will. Uh, but that should be an interesting one to watch as well. So some great games coming up this week in the NFL. Uh, should be fun to watch. I will be, again, in the freezing cold in Chicago watching that game as hopefully my Detroit Lions can pick up a win against the Bears. Who knows with the Lions, they did pick up a win against the Packers, so that was great to see. But again, it uh, should be fun to be freezing outside in the middle of Chicago in the, for my first time being in that stadium. So can't wait to do that. But again, this sounds like it should be a fun week of NFL football coming into week 10. And uh, we will talk a little bit more in the football podcast, my football podcast on Wednesday, talking about... Uh, the midseason marks, I'm going to be talking about the MVP, uh, Offensive Defensive Player of the Year, Rookies of the Year, so Rookie of the Year, Rookie Offensive Defensive Player of the Year, and all that stuff as well. Also looking at other standings, where everybody stands at this point. So again, we'll be talking about that. I'll be talking about that more on Wednesday and with all the other NFL games that I have not talked about yet in this one as well. Talk about my thoughts on all those games and also give you my prediction for next week's games as well. Again, that will be on my NFL podcast coming out on Wednesday. Well, let's head over to college football where we had a pair of huge games in the SEC this week. We'll start off with the biggest one in that one as number three, Georgia, was able to take down number one, Tennessee, 27-13. Georgia now remains undefeated and remains the only undefeated team in the SEC as they go to 9-0. Quarterback Stanton, Stent, uh, excuse me, Stenton, Stenson, Ben, there we go, Stenson Bennett, there we go. Threw for 257 yards, two touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown in that game as well. Wide receiver Lad McConkey would have five receptions for 94 yards and a touchdown. Running back Kenny McIntosh with 52 yards rushing also had two receptions for 57 yards. Wide receiver Arian Smith with one reception for 52 yards. And wide receiver Marcus Rosemey 
uh, Jack Saint with one touchdown in the game as well. As for Tennessee, they go to 8-1 on the season, suffering their first loss. Quarterback Hendon Hooker with 195 yards passing and one interception. Running back Jalen Wright with 69 yards rushing, one touchdown, but did have a fumble loss as well. Wide receiver Cedric Tillman with seven receptions for 68 yards. And wide receiver Jalen Hyatt with six receptions for 63 yards. And this game, it just seemed like Georgia was uh, the dominant team in this one in and out of it. It just seemed like they had to control the ball for the majority of it. They controlled the ball. They were able to keep this Tennessee offense down and just kept this Tennessee defense offense out of it for the majority of the game. And it was just obvious to tell that Georgia was the more dominant team in this one. Could these two meet in the playoffs at some point? You definitely bet they can because Tennessee, when one of those teams lose in the top four, you know Tennessee's going to move right back up there and take one of those spots in the playoff rankings, which will go over here in a little bit later. In the broad, a little bit later at the end of the college, we finished talking about college football, I should say. Uh, but again, Georgia picks up a big win over Tennessee, and we'll see how far Georgia moved up in the rankings as well. The other big game in the SEC, number 10, LSU beats number 6, Alabama, 32-31 in overtime. LSU decided to go for the two-point conversion in overtime. It was successful, I should say, to pick up the win in that one. As with the win, LSU now goes to 7-2 on the season. Quarterback Jaden Daniels, 182 yards passing, two touchdowns. Also had 95 yards rushing and a touchdown as well. Quarterback Josh Williams with 54 yards rushing and a touchdown. Wide receiver Keyshawn Booty with seven receptions for 51 yards. Also tight end Mason Taylor and running back John Emery Jr. with one receiving touchdown each. As for Alabama, they dropped at 7-2 on the season as well. As quarterback Bryce Young had struggled in this one throwing the ball. 25 for 51 yards, 328 yards passing, one touchdown and one interception. Running back Jameer Gibbs with 99 yards rushing. Also had eight receptions for 64 yards. Wide receiver Ja'Cory Brooks with seven receptions for 97 yards and a touchdown. Running back Jace McLennan, McLennan uh, yeah, maybe that's what I was like. excuse me, Jace McLennan with two receptions for 74 yards. Tight end Cameron Latou with three receptions for 50 yards. Linebacker Dallas Turner having another big game for the defense, a sack and a half in that one. And kicker Will Richard with four for four on field goals in the game. Uh, again, a very back and forth game of this one. LSU was fighting throughout the whole game. Alabama fought back quite a few times, so did LSU. And it was a back and forth matchup that finally went up to overtime. LSU decided they they were playing Bama. They had nothing to lose in this one. Either they win this game and move up, or they continue this overtime. They said, let's just go for it. Let's go do get put it all on the line. Either we take out Alabama or we take out ourselves. And they worked out perfectly for them as the LSU picks up a big win over Alabama. And now LSU's trying to maybe possibly somehow sneak into two, I don't know if they'll make it to the playoffs, but they could possibly sneak their way in somewhere if they can keep on winning. We'll see. I don't see a two-loss team making the playoffs. I think that'd be very difficult to do. Uh, but we'll see what LSU can do here for the remainder of the season as they are looking to see, at least lock up a spot in the SEC championship game. And the last college, uh, actually, the other college game we got to talk about was a major upset as well as Notre Dame upsets number four Clemson, thirty-five to fourteen. As Notre Dame now moves to six and three on the season, as it was all running in this game as Logan, uh, yeah, Logan Diggs with one hundred and fourteen yards rushing, running back Odic uh, Itame with one hundred and four yards rushing and a touchdown. Tight end Michael Mayer with four receptions for forty-four yards and a touchdown. 
Quarterback Drew Pine with 35 yards passing and a touchdown. Yes, only threw 85 yards in the game. Like I said, this is all running for Fighting Irish in this one. Also on special teams, Prince Cole with a 17-yard pump block for a touchdown. So special teams come up big here for Notre Dame in this one as well. Now I think you can hear two uh, special teams plays on this podcast. So great to hear that the special teams got involved a lot this week in uh, football. And also cornerback Benjamin Morrison with a 96-yard interception return for a touchdown. Not only that, but he had two interceptions in this game to help out the Fighting Irish pick up a big upset against Clemson. And speaking of Clemson, this was their first loss of the season. They go down, go to 8-1 and one on the season. Quarterback DJ Uyangalole with 194 yards passing, one touchdown, and one interception. Quarterback Will Shipley with 63 yards rushing and a touchdown. Tight end Davis Allen with seven receptions for 60 yards. Wide receiver Joseph Nagate with a touchdown. And linebacker Keith uh, McGuire with a sack and a half in this game as well. But Notre Dame just looked dominant throughout this one. Once they got that punt block punt, it just was, it was a full steam ahead for the Notre Dame and the Fighting Irish. They just looked great in this one. As Ubi Angalalole has seemed like just been struggling the last few weeks. We've seen him get benched. I think that was either a couple, I think I believe that was a couple weeks ago in that game against Syracuse. So again, just not able to get, get things working for this offense. And it seemed like Clemson was go down was gonna go down here sooner rather than later. And it happened to the Fighting Irish. So again, congratulations to Notre Dame on picking up a big win against Clemson. As now I would say Clemson's hopes of making the college football playoffs are now eliminated. The last game we'll talk about was a battle in the Big 12. as number 24, Texas beats number 13, Kansas State, 34-27. Texas moving to 6-3 on the season. Running back Bajan Robinson with 290 yards rushing and one touchdown. So a great game for Robinson in that one. Quarterback Quinton. Quinn uh, Ewers, Ewers with 197 yards passing and two touchdowns. Uh, running back Rashawn Johnson with 62 yards rushing and a touchdown. And Jatavian Sanders with five receptions for 54 yards as well. And wide receiver Xavier Worthley with two touchdowns in this game. And linebacker DeMarvian Overshone with a sack and a half in the game as well. As for Kansas State, they now dropped to 6-3 on the season. Quarterback Adrian Martinez with 329 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Also had 52 yards rushing, one touchdown, and a fumble loss in the game. Last three, Malik Knowles with three receptions for 93 yards. Quarterback Deuce Vaughn with 73 yards rushing. Also had seven receptions for 87, 86 yards and a touchdown. And wide receiver Caden Warner with five receptions for 52 yards and a touchdown. As a good win for Texas, this should move them up the rankings a little bit as well as they get ready for a big game next week as they will take on the undefeated TCU and we'll go over where TCU stand, is in the standings right now as the College of All Playoff standings were released before I did this podcast. Let me just get those up real quickly because I have a people one up right now. But the College of All Playoffs look like this right now. And the number one seed currently is Georgia. So they move up two spots to the number one spot. Ohio State remains at number two. Number three is now Michigan moving up two spots. Going up to number four is TCU moving up three spots to that spot. So the four, four remaining undefeated teams in college football are the top four in the college football playoffs. As for Tennessee, they drop down four spots to number five. Oregon moves up two spots to number six. LSU moves up three spots to number seven. USC drops goes up a spot to number eight. Alabama dropping three spots to number nine. And Clemson dropping six spots to ten. So everybody but Ohio State moving around in those college football playoff rankings. 
Moving into the college football rankings this week, uh, first will be Notre Dame, who moves up to 20 after their win. Also moving up is Florida State, who is now ranked as they are ranked 23rd. Kentucky moves back, moves in there at 24. And Washington, the final team to wrap up the top 25 in the college football playoff ranking. And they move up to that 25th spot. And the four teams dropping out, that means are Oklahoma State, Syracuse, Wake Forest, and Oregon State. So again, a lot of great changes happening here in college football. Like I mentioned, we go down from six undefeated teams to four this week. And all four of those undefeated teams are in the college football playoff right now. That is Ohio State, TCU, Michigan, and Georgia. But the thing is, only three of those teams will remain undefeated because, of course, we have Ohio State taking on Michigan. Now, could both those teams make the college football playoffs? It is very possible with uh, if TCU does lose to te- uh, in Texas next week, which we'll go over that game a little bit later here. That could leave a door for Tennessee to get in. If Tennessee gets in and either Michigan and Michigan State have to play each other, and that is a very close game. If that is a very close game, we could possibly have two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams in the college football playoffs. So that could be a very interesting thing to keep an eye on. So we'll have to wait and see. But again, those two teams could determine if both teams make it or they want to knock each other out. Should be fun to watch. But again... Four teams remain undefeated, those four teams in the college football playoffs, but who will remain undefeated at the end of the season is the real question. Now for games to watch next week here in college football, we'll start off what's happening at 3.30 where number 10 Alabama, excuse me, that would be number 10, actually number 9 Alabama I believe would be in the rankings. Let me double check here quick. It would be number 9 Alabama in the college football playoff rankings. We'll take on number 11, Old Miss. That game will be at 3.30 p.m. Then another game to watch if you're looking for a couple of, uh, smaller teams to playing. Number, let's see, let's see. I'm going to, South Florida, which, uh, yeah, Central Florida. Excuse me, Central Florida. Number 22, Central Florida will take on number 17, Tulane. That game also at 3.30. Then a big battle in the Pac-12, as that will be, Number 25, Washington taking on number 6, Oregon. And then a big battle in the Big 12 as this could determine a lot for TCU as the number 4 team in the country will take on the number 18 team in the country, Texas, on the road at 7.30 p.m. So a big game for TCU. If they can win this game, more than likely it looks like they could wrap up this season as an undefeated record, undefeated record. But again, they have to get back by Texas to be able to do that. So we'll see what they can do in that game. And also a big game for Oregon because they want to keep their hopes in the college football playoffs alive. They'll have to take down Washington at home. But some great games coming up here in college football this week. And a little bit of news coming out of college football. Is I was kind of shocked to hear this was a record in college football. But apparently the SMU game where they defeated Houston by the final score of 77-63 to was the highest scoring game, regulation game in FBS history. I would have thought there had been a bigger scoring games than that. In the history of college football. But apparently I was wrong. But again SMU and Houston. Scoring the most points ever. In a college football game. In a regulation time. Uh, total points in that one. I should have added this up before I cut on here. But let me check what that number is. I could should be using simple math to be able to this one. But I don't feel like using my brain while I'm talking right now. So 677 plus 63. Equals 140. So 100. I should have just carried the 7. Over to the six, and that would have made it 70 and 70. But, anyways, 140 total points scored in that game by both those teams. So, a lot of offense. If you're a big offensive fan, great for you in that game. If you're like me and like defense more, I'm sorry that that would have been a painful game to watch, especially for me. Uh, but a great game, I guess, overall for the people in that audience that like a lot of scoring. But again, SMU and Houston 
had the highest scoring regulation game in FBS history. Now let's head over to NASCAR where we crowned champions this week as they wrapped up their season at Phoenix Raceway where Joey Logano would pick up the win at the race and also win the 2002 NASCAR Cup Series Championship for his second championship of his career. So Joey Logano stepping up big in the final race of the season, picking up the win and now locking up the championship again, his second championship of his career, and also his fourth win of the season. So congratulations to Joey Logano in that race as he just dominated that race. I think he was the front-running playoff driver. I think almost I would almost want to say the entire race, it seems like. But Joey Logano, very dominant in this race. He started off on the pole, he finished up front as well. So congratulations to Joey Logano on getting his second championship of his career. Now we'll go to the top five in this race. In second place was his teammate, Ryan Blaney. Third place, Ross Chastain, who finished second in the points with that finish. So Ross Chastain, having his hell uh, melon in last week at Martinsville, where he rode the wall to get past Teddy Hamlin and get in the playoffs. He will finish third in this one. Fourth place was Chase Briscoe. And fifth place was Kevin Harvick. For the other two drivers in the championship four, tenth place was, Chris, was where Christopher Bell finished. So he finished third in points. And finishing fourth in the championship was... Chase Elliott, who finished 28th after having some contact with Ross Chastain. Now, it, I guess it depends on who what your judgment on this one, but it didn't look like Elliott came down and hit Ross Chastain. It does look like Chastain kind of maybe could have backed off and let, let him go, but it was at the beginning of the restart, so it'd be kind of hard to let off if you're Ross Chastain because you got, could have got hit from behind as well. So it's a little... I think it was a racing accident, in my opinion, what happened to Chase Elliott. I know a lot of fans aren't happy because the majority of the fans are Chase Elliott fans, but again... Ross Chastain finished second in this race. Uh, the guy who was hoping was going to win it. But either way, I'm happy for all three of these guys if they were to win it. Uh, four of these guys, I should say, if they were to win it. But again, it was a fun season overall. A boring championship race, in my opinion, though. Because I felt like there wasn't a lot of action in this one. Where the other two championship races, everybody was right up front in the championship contention. And that could have led to some great racing and didn't know who was going to win it. But this one is just all Joey Logano on this. So, I mean, again, it wasn't an exciting race, but again, Joey Logano showed he was the dominant uh, driver in this one. He controlled the whole race and picked up the win in that one. But again, a great job by him and everybody a part of that 22 team. So the 22 wins it in 22. Again, his second championship of this, his career. As we'll see, net, get, round, get ready for the next race on the NASCAR calendar, which is going to be three about three months from now. Is, which is going to be an exhibition race where they head back to L.A. once again for the Bush Light Clash at the Castle, which will be held on February 5th, 2023 to begin the NASCAR season. Uh, last year's race was pretty fun to watch. Uh, of course, this year was the first year of the Gen Cars. Hopefully, there'll be a lot of changes to that car as well. Of course, we had all the issues of that this year with uh, people getting injured in those cars. And we've seen Alex Bowman getting concussion. Kurt Busch got knocked out for the man of the season. Now calling his full-time schedule over now, so he will not be racing full-time anymore in the Cup Series. So hopefully there are some safety changes for this car. Overall, I was happy with the racing performance of the car. Yes, there are some tracks that didn't work good at, but again, that's just the way of the land on this one. I do wish they went back to five-tire lug nuts after watching the season as well. I don't think the one lug nut's been working out too well, especially with the tires completely falling off the cars. That kind of uh, ruins things a little bit, and the suspension kind of sucks for the teams as well. Uh, trying to think some other things that I could mention about the cars that uh, I liked or disliked. Again, I thought the racing was good at most tracks. I thought the cars, the, of course, the damage the cars could take worked out very well, too. Those cars could take some beatings and still survive them. 
Again, there's just some changes they had to make. Yes, it's the first year of the car, so again, be patient with them. I know a lot of people were angry this year about all that. But again, there's some. it's going to change as time goes on. It's just this was the test year pretty much at which they kind of maybe would test it a little more for driver safety. But again, hopefully things are figured out next year for these guys. And hopefully we get some better racing coming in 2023 in the next-gen car. But let's go over other champions as well in the NASCAR series. As I head down to the Xfinity series where Ty Gibbs was able to beat all of Junior Motorsports. And that one to pick up. His first career championship in the Xfinity Series, which he'll be more than likely moving up to the 18 car. I don't think they have announced it yet, but he will be, I'd be guessing, moving up to the 18 car to replace Kyle Busch, who is going to 20, uh, excuse me, who is, uh, yeah, going to Richard Childress Racing, excuse me, I don't know why I was thinking, uh, 2311. But yes, uh, Kyle Busch is going to Richard Childress Racing to fill in. And for that uh, spot, so again, Ty Gibbs looking to move up. He was a champion in that race, and... Talk about going from the highest of the highest to the lowest of lows as the next morning where Tigers was supposed to race in the Cup Series race in Phoenix. Uh, had to leave the race. Uh, did not, it was not Had to leave that morning because news found out that his dad, Coy Gibbs, passed away uh, that morning at the age of 49 years old. So a young death for Ty Gibbs' father and the son of Joe Gibbs as well. So sad news for that organization. And again, being able to, the day before he was celebrating a championship with his dad, and the next morning his dad passed away from a heart attack, I believe it was, in his sleep. So, again, sad news for the uh, Gibbs family. And, of course, all the thoughts going to them right now for that difficult situation they had to deal with during the weekend. So, hopefully, hoping the best for them as well. But, again, Ty Gibbs did win the Extreme Series Championship. So, at least he was able to have one good last memory with his dad before he passed away. Also, in the Truck Series, Zane Smith won the championship in that one as well. But again, congratulations to all the champions in the Cup Series. It was a fun year of racing. I thought uh, there was a lot of good, even though there was some bad as well. But this year's Cup Series, Xfinity Series, and Truck Series, I thought was fun racing to watch all season long. As now we got a time to relax, and we have now have to wait three months for the next time. We will see a NASCAR hit the track on our television screens. Now for some news coming out of racing. And the major news that came out this weekend is from the seven-time champion himself, Jimmy Johnson, who is joining up with the another seven-time champion, Richard Petty, as Jimmy Johnson is now a part owner of Petty GMS Racing. So he is now going to be involved with that organization. And with that partnership, he is will be racing several races in 2023, including the Daytona 500. So it'll be great to see Jimmy Johnson back in action. There's been no news on what number he's going to drive and what his sponsors will be, but hey, it's great to see Jimmy Johnson back in NASCAR after racing a couple years in IndyCar. I think he realized that wasn't his thing, and even though he gave it a shot, I give him all the credit in the world for trying it out. That's what you got to do in life. You got to try things out. If they work, great. If not, at least you try it. That's the best you can say. But Jimmy Johnson coming back, he'll be racing in NASCAR once again and of course it's always great to see him back in racing he is one of the greatest drivers of all time in NASCAR great to see him back in the cup series once again it'll be fun to see what he can do if he can make the race at Daytona which hopefully he will I'm guessing he'll also be racing at North Wicksboro when they race the all-star race there we'll see what other races he tries to do as well but again great to see Jimmy Johnson coming back to the NASCAR cup series not only as an owner but as a racer as well and speaking of teams, Kyle Busch Motorsports have announced they'll be making their move to Chevy next season in the Truck Series. Uh, no surprise there since, like I mentioned, Kyle Busch is going over to Chevy, joining Richard Childers Motorsports. Uh, also for this one, uh, they announced that Chase Perry Purdy will be driving the number four car for him in the Truck Series all season in 2023. Then an all-star driver and a development, or a, the all-star development truck, I should say, 
uh, will be drive by Jack Wood, Kyle Busch himself, and others throughout the season as well. So again, Kyle Busch Motorsports moving to Chevy next season for the truck series. Now let's head over to the NBA where we talk about some of the top games that happened last week. And I believe that was the third week of the NBA season. And talking about those top games, we'll start off what happened on Tuesday where the Miami Heat were able to beat the Golden State Warriors 116-109. to Miami going to only 3-5 and in the season after picking up this win. As shooting guard Max Steris had 24 points off the bench. So a great game for him. Also small forward Jimmy Butler. 23 points this game. 8 assists and 6 rebounds. And then again, Golden State struggling so far to begin this year. As last year's champions are now 3-5. and same record as the uh, Los Angeles Rams, actually. So it's kind of funny that both the champions from the previous year in multiple sports have struggling to begin the season and have the same record. Point guard Stephon Curry, 23 points in the game. 13 rebounds and 13 sits. So a great game for Curry getting a triple-double, but just was not enough to get the win for his team. Uh, small forwards Andrew Wiggins, 21 points and 5 assists in the game as well. Let's head over to Wednesday where the Cleveland Cavaliers were able to pick up a big win over the Boston Celtics, 114 to 113 in overtime. Cleveland with an impressive start to the season as they go to six to one. Point guard Darius uh, Garland with uh, 29 yard Garland, excuse me, with 29 points, 12 assists, and five rebounds in the game. Uh, shooting guard De- uh, Donovan Mitchell with 25 points and six rebounds. And for Boston, they now move to four and three in the season. As their shooting guard, Jalen Brown, led the team scoring with three, 30 points and eight rebounds. And small forward Jason Tatum. With 26 points and 12 rebounds as well. Then we had to move over to Friday where the Portland Trailblazers were able to beat the Phoenix Suns 108-106. Portland going 6-2 on the season. Small forward Jeremy Grant with 30 points and 5 assists in that game. Power forward Justice Winslow with 12 points, 9 rebounds, and 9 assists in the game as well. As for the Phoenix, they dropped to 6-2 on the season. Shooting guard, Devin Booker with 25 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists in the game. And center, DeAndre Aiden with 24 points and 8 rebounds in that one as well. Now we move over to Saturday where we had the rematch between these two teams. The Suns would take advantage of this one, getting a big win as they would beat the Blazers 102-87. For Phoenix, they moved to 7-2 with that win as Booker had 24 points in that game. Point guard, Chris Paul with 15 points and 5 rebounds. And for Portland, they go to 6-3 in the season. Grant, 14 points and 5 rebounds in the game. And shooting guard Sheldon Sharp with 13 points in that one. Then where we had over to Monday, we had a pair of good games on the night where the Atlanta Hawks were able to beat the Milwaukee Bucks 117 to 98. Atlanta moving to 7-3 on the season. Shooting guard DeJounte Murray with 25 points, 11 assists, and 8 rebounds. And forward AJ Griffin with 24 points coming off the bench. And for Milwaukee, they suffered their first loss of the season. So the only undefeated team remaining goes 10 games in the season before suffering their first loss. And for power forward, Giannis Antetokounmpo with 25 points and 7 rebounds. And point guard Drew Holiday Holiday with 16 points, 7 assists, and 6 rebounds. So again, Atlanta being able to pick up a big win in this one and giving Milwaukee their first loss of the season. Another big game that happened on Monday, the Philadelphia 76ers were able to beat the Suns 102-88. Philly having a struggle to begin their season at 5-6. Center Joel Embiid with 33 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists. Power forward Tobias Harris, 21 points, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists. 
As for Phoenix, they dropped to 7-3 on the season. Brooker, 28 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 8 and 14 points, and 7 rebounds in that game. Also, some news coming out of the NBA. Dallas Mavericks star player Luka Doncic becomes the first player since Walt Chamberlain in 1963 to have seven 30-point games to begin a season. That's according to ESPN. Doncic has been absolutely incredible in this season. He's just been going left and right and everywhere for this Dallas team, trying to help them pick up the win every single game. And he's been magic for me and my fantasy team as well. Love seeing that. But Doncic having an incredible beginning of the year beginning of this year for him and to say you got to be in the same presence of anything of Walt Chamberlain is absolutely incredible so congratulations to Doncic on that one I'll see if he can keep that going throughout the remainder of the season and possibly get his first MVP award of his career and also saw a couple of players that'll be missing time for the next probably about a couple of weeks or so here for Philadelphia 76ers star player James Harden he suffered a right foot tension strain and is expected to miss about a month for as according to ESPN of course the Sixers have been struggling with him on the team right now so let's see how long they'll take him to recover from that injury we'll see how the Sixers do without him on the team so that's again a major loss for the Sixers team also for the Brooklyn Nets they're going to lose a star player in Kyrie Irving who's going to be spending five games for the team by the team for failing to disavow uh and so again, with everything that's been going on with Kyrie Irving, he's uh, had an issue. He said something on Twitter. It was uh, not the right thing to say at that time. We'll leave it at that because I don't get anything too crucial in this one. But again, when the the team is yeah, saying it was wrong, a lot of people think, of course, majority of the people think it's wrong as well what he said as he said something he definitely should not have said as Kyrie Irving is going to be punished for this by the team by being suspended for five games. Now we'll head over to Mixed Martial Arts where we have a big pay-per-view coming up this Saturday at UFC 281. A pair of titles on the line in this show. We'll start off with the main event of the night which is for the middleweight championship as Israel Adesadeh will take on the number four contender in the middleweight division. Number four in the world, I should say. in the Actually, number four in the UFC, I should say. Excuse me. In the division is Alex uh, Pereira. So again, a big match for that one. I believe the odds are pretty close in all these matches on the card. So this should be a very interesting card. So it should be fun to watch. But again, that will be for the middleweight championship. For the women's strawweight championship, the champion Carla Asparze will take on the number two contender in the division, Zhang Wali. And again, that is for the women's strawweight championship. For the lightweight, in the lightweight division, we have number two, Dustin Poirier, taking on number five, Michael Chandler. Uh, that should be a hard-hitting fight between those two. In the bantamweight division, number 12, Frankie Edgar, which I didn't know he was even still fighting. So I see he's still around it. And uh, it takes on Chris Gutierrez. So again, another big match in the bantamweight uh, division. And in lightweight, we have number 12, Dan Hooker, taking on Claudio Poyas. So again, battle in the light division. So a lot of, like I said, I believe every one of these cards were... Pretty close in the betting odds in this one. I think the highest one I saw was 230 maybe. Betting-wise, which is not too big of a gap in my opinion. Yes, you could double your money on or triple your money on that one. Of course, if you call that right. But again, not major odds in this one. So, you should have a lot of close fights tonight. Should be a fun night of fighting in this one. From what my friends tell me, there should be a lot of great cards in the 
pre-shows as well. So again, this should be a very fun night to watch. Hopefully I'll be able to have some time to go sit back and watch this game. It seems like it's been a while since I've been able to watch a UFC pay-per-view. I used to watch them all the time. Just seemed like I've had time and the money to do it. So hopefully I get some time this weekend because I actually have Saturday off for once this weekend to enjoy this pay-per-view. So we'll have to wait and see and see how this card looks. But we'll be talking about this card next week on the show as well and talk about the results and everything that happened. And since I'll have some insight of watching them fight, I can actually tell you guys a little bit of my thoughts on these matches as well. But again, uh, two title fights on the night and a lot of great fights overall on UFC 281. And then a major thing happening this week, as we talked about the beginning of a lot of seasons uh, through the past couple weeks, well, we got another new season beginning, as I think, believe the season began on Tuesday, officially. Well, the college basketball season is now underway as a lot of teams have began their season, of course, the season begins with a lot of teams playing uh, very, very low teams. So a lot of things in the rankings shouldn't change around too much. Pretty much some warm-up games for a lot of these college basketball teams to begin their season before they get into some bigger games. I believe the only big game I saw on the schedule this week comes up on Friday as M2 Gonzaga will take on Michigan State in the Air Force Classic. So that should be a fun one to watch. I think that game would be on ESPN, I believe. I did not look at that, but... Should be a fun game to watch as number two Gonzaga takes on Michigan State. But let's go over the rankings of the top 10 here going into the college basketball season. As starting off, number one is North Carolina. Number two, Gonzaga. Number three, Houston. Four, Kentucky. Number five will be Kansas and Baylor tied in the five spot. At seven will be Duke. First time, first season not having Coach K, so it'll be interesting to see how they do without him. Number eight will be UCLA. Number nine is Creighton, and number 10, Arkansas. So again, the craziness of college basketball is about to get begin here. Uh, of course, the first month starts off a little slow, not too many major games happening. Like I said, the one only big game happening this week is Gonzaga taking on Michigan State. But again, once we get through these first couple weeks, we'll have some major games and some tournaments happening. We'll probably start seeing some upsets here in the next couple weeks or so. But again, should be fun to watch some college basketball here once again. A lot of great things happening in sports, like I mentioned. So, again, I can't wait to see what's going to happen to begin this college basketball season. But that is all the sports I have to talk about here today. So, again, a lot of great things happened this week. Again, more starts joining, but we did lose two sports this week that ended their season. Again, in the MLB, the Houston Astros win the World Series, beating the Philadelphia Phillies 4-2, their second World Series in team history. So, congratulations to the Astros on winning that championship also, the Joey Logano winning the Cups, NASCAR Cup Series Championship. His second ever championship in his career as well. As 22 wins it in 2022. So congratulations to Joey Logano and his team as well. Oscar Penske Racing as well. The team he races for. Uh, winning the championship. Also winning the owner's championship as well with his team. So congratulations to everybody a part of the 22 team and Penske Racing. A lot of great football happening last week in college and NFL of course, some major upsets happening in college, which is flipping around the rankings quite a bit. So we'll see how that continues to happen. Uh, what other changes we'll see throughout the remainder as we, I believe, majority of teams only have three games left before heading into conference championship games. So again, should be fun to watch how much things can change, especially with before the Ohio State-Michigan game and see if those, both those teams can go undefeated into that game and decide who could be going to the college football playoff. And of course, NBA continue to roll on. A lot of surprises in that league right now as the Lakers are struggling. Phillies are struggling. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers are struggling. Miami's struggling. Golden State is struggling. There's a lot of top teams that you expect to be really good are struggling right now. So we'll see if those teams can turn it around. Well, of course, Los Angeles struggled last year, the Lakers. So I'm not expecting too much out of them this year as well. But again, you kind of wonder if they would be better this year or not. Things aren't looking too pretty for them right now. So we'll see 
if the Lakers can do something this year or not. But again, like I mentioned, a lot of good teams have struggled to begin the season, so we'll see if they will be able to turn around as uh, games continue to go on here. And of course, like I mentioned, UFC 282 coming up as well. That should be a 281, I should say, excuse me, coming up this week. That should be a fun card to watch as well. But again, a lot of great action to watch this week. I start to mention college basketball is coming back this week as well. So if you're looking for a great game to watch, you got Gonzaga on Michigan State this week in college basketball. But again, a lot of great things happening in sports right now. A lot of great things happening around the United States in sports-wise right now. A lot of great things happening overall. We've got elections this week. It's been a huge week in uh, everything around the United States. And, of course, in November, just things are going to keep on getting bigger and bigger as we get deeper and deeper into November. So a lot of fun things to watch. we got Thanksgiving right around the corner. God, Christmas is coming up in a month and a half. It's a crazy thing to think about right now. But things are moving quickly right now. And before we know it, we might be getting close to the NFL playoffs and other things like that. But, again, sports are getting crazier and crazier as weeks go on right now. So can't wait to see what's going to happen around sports in the next couple weeks. But, again, it's going to be fun to watch and a fun for all sports fans around the U.S. and even around the world as well. But again, thank you guys for tuning in to this show. That is all I got to talk about here today. For the latest information on the show, you can follow me on Twitter and like me on Facebook at Cold Talk. That is at C-O-L-E-D-T-A-L-K. I think you can message me questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show. You can also tweet with me or any events. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe and or follow button to get alerts when the newest episodes are released. Again, you can find the podcast on all major platforms, including Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teaser, iHeartRadio, and all your other major platforms out there as well. Now, I'll talk about the show schedule here for this coming week. We will have the NFL podcast coming out on Wednesday, where I'll be talking about, well, last week in the NFL, talk about all, all those games. And also talk about week 10 in the NFL, all my predictions for week 10 as well. So we'll talk about all that. And also I'll be going through my midseason awards. So we'll take a look at all the conference standings for the NFL season so far. Also talk about who the MVP is right now. Offensive Defensive Player of the Year and also our Rookies of the Year as well. So we'll go over all that in the NFL podcast as well. Also I'll be talking about WWE's NXT on Wednesday also. Also if you did not see on Tuesday I had the WWE Raw episode talking about what happened on that show. So look for that one. That should be up right now when this is airing. The Sports Podcast. Also on Thursday I'll be talking about what happened on AEW Dynamite on that show. And then usually on Saturday, I'd be talking about what happened on SmackDown. But I, again, I will be out of town in Chicago. So I will not be around. So I will be not doing that episode this week. But I'll try to fill in what I learned from SmackDown onto Raw a little bit. Because I'm expecting some things are going to be happening on SmackDown this week. Of course, we have the uh, SmackDown Wolf Cup happening. With, so we'll I'll talk a little bit about that on next Tuesday's episode of Monday Night Raw. Uh, when we talk about that. So we'll try to fill in little things and then go over that quickly and that as well. But again, to make sure you listen to all these and get alerts when these come out, subscribe to the channel or hit the follow button to make sure you get alerts when these episodes are released. But again, thank you guys for joining me here today. I really do appreciate it. I am your host, Cole Martins, and you guys all have a great day. Mm-hmm.